we're in a series on the fruit of the Spirit. Let me fast forward you up to speed really quickly. Basically, when you and I are born, we're born sinners. We have a root stock that is naturally bent towards that which is wrong. When we become a Christian, God takes that, that, that plant that's growing, that tree that's growing, and he cuts it off, and he grafts himself onto us. He now gives us a new way to live. We still have that old root stock. And so all of the stuff that naturally uh, sin nature wants to continually come up. And just like when you graft a plant, you have to continually deal with what comes up from the roots and keep it trimmed up and keep it cut down so that you can produce the kind of fruit that you want. And so God does that with us, and he produces godliness in spite of the fact that we have a rootstock that continually wants to produce ungodliness. And so when we get to the book of Galatians, uh, Paul is writing there, and he talks about the characteristics of the fruit that God develops in our life. And that, technically, it's only one fruit, but yet it has a number of characteristics. And so we've been looking at that passage, and it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. We've already talked about those three. Um, and the idea is each one of those is contrary. There's a, there's a rootstock thing. There's an there's a ungodly aspect that wants to grow up, and God wants us to respond in a godly way. So the ungodly aspect is fear. Instead of being afraid, instead of seeing everybody's enemy, God wants us to learn to love. Instead of um, dealing with um, the aspect, uh, we talked about the aspect of joy, um, and we, we dealt with this idea of the, the rootstock is despair. Um, you become overwhelmed by something, and, and, and God, the fruit that God wants to exhibit in our life is joy. We talked last week about the idea of peace, because um, the rootstock, the thing that we're always con- dealing with, is worry or anxiety. And so we've been dealing with, this is what Satan is producing naturally in our lives, and this is what God wants to produce. And we've talked about this idea that um, all of these, these attributes, all of these characteristics are independent of people and circumstances. That's important to remember. In other words, if, if you're going to be dependent, if you're only going to love people that love you, well, that doesn't, you know, that's pretty easy to do. Uh, but if you love people who are mean to you or don't love you, then that, that, that has to be from God. Same thing, if you have difficult times and circumstances and you, want, and you respond in a peaceful way or a way with joy, that's from God. And that's, that's what we're trying to produce because we want to show the world that love, joy, peace is from God. It's not something that is dependent upon our circumstance or our, our, uh, pe- the way people treat us. Um, this morning, we're going to talk about the idea of forbearance is the way the NIV says it. Um, the way the King James says it is patience. <laughs> um, Here's the problem. We are getting really bad at this, all right? Because we live in a society, and believe me, I love our society, okay? I love our instant world. I love the idea that I can walk up to my Keurig, choose which cup of coffee I want, have it in 45 seconds or less. I love that concept. The idea of pulling out one of those pots and filters and having to make a whole pot and then 
trying to keep it warm. And whereas I can go all day long and just choose. I can have different kinds of coffee all day long. I love that. It's, it's awesome. I love the idea of being able to go to a microwave and go, you know what, I just need to heat this up. Boop, 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 bing, bing, bing. I love that. I love the idea of Alexa, where, you know, Alexa, add this to the shopping list. Alexa, play this, you know. Alexa, set the alarm for this. Uh, I love that. I love the idea that this morning I got in my car and I turned a key and it started up. I didn't have to hook up horses, okay. I, di I didn't have to get out in the front and do a big crank thing and hope that it would start. Uh, I, love, I love this instant culture that we have. I love it. But it creeps into our Christianity as well. Where we start to think that if something isn't happening right away, instantly, that something's wrong. And, and so when, when Paul writes to the people at Galatians, he says, I want you to understand that patience is one of the things that God wants to produce in your life. So this morning, we're going we're gonna to wrestle with this idea of patience. We're going to try to understand it. We're going to try to uh, put it all together. And we're going to spend a lot of time in the book of James because that's probably the best place to start for, for this idea. Let me give you some Old Testament ideas, some New Testament ideas, so that you have a good framework for what we're going to talk about. Um, patience is used 15 times in the Old Testament, primarily in relationship to God. Literally, the concept is long-nosed. Okay, so let me explain to you what that, what, why. There was an idiom in the Hebrew culture um, which basically said, uh, when you're angry, your nose becomes red and it starts to burn. That was the concept. Okay, so it was an idiom of, of you know, when you get angry with something, your nose turns red and it starts to burn. So the idea is your nose would, kind of like Pinocchio, only in reverse. Your nose would start to burn until you finally just blow up and, and, and get all angry. That was the idea. So the, the word patience has this idea of being long-nosed with the idea of you would never, ever get to the point that you would get that angry because your nose was long enough, it just continued to burn, and you would be able to deal with it in time before it ever burned up your face. That's kind of the idea. Um, it's also used in context of your days, that your days are prolonged. And, and so that's, that's the Old Testament idea. In the New Testament idea, there's two main words that are used. One deals with people and being patient with people. One deals with circumstances, being patient with circumstances. You have to understand that in the, in the Greek culture, when the New Testament is written, this was not a virtue. Uh, nobody strived for patience. In fact, it was really looked at as a weakness. It was looked at as a character flaw. If, if, if you were a patient person, there was something wrong with you. Seriously. Because in the Greek culture, in the Greek culture, I mean, it was, it was instant. It was quick. It was, it was jump to the defense. It was fight. It was all those kinds of things. It was not the idea of patience being a virtue. So when this is written to these people, you have to understand this is a, this is a shocker. Okay? It's like, wait, 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 wait. Nobody wants to be patient. Um, and so you have to understand that in, in the context of this word and how it's developed and used throughout the New Testament. So there are, there are a couple of big passages. Um, there's actually three. We're going to look at one of them uh, that, that, get, that develop this idea. One is in Matthew 18, all right? And um, I'm not going to look at it because it, it, it's so long, but I'll, I'll tell you the story if you're 
been around Christian a while, you'll, you'll remember the story. But it's about a, a king who has somebody who owes him a lot of money. Ends up being like about a billion coins, so to speak, in context. And the guy comes to the king and says, be patient with me and I will pay you back. And the reality is he owed him so much money, there's no way in the world he could have ever paid him back. And Matthew 18 says, the king was patient and forgave him all the debt. Then what happened is that guy who now has had his debt wiped out now goes and finds somebody who owes him like five coins. And he says, I want it paid now or I'll throw you in prison. And the text, as Jesus talks about the story, is he's trying to illustrate to the people that they've been forgiven much, so two things need to be true of them. They need to be patient with other people, and they need to be forgiving, which the king was. And so that's the story in Matthew chapter 18 as, as, as he develops it. In the book of Romans, God develops this idea, or, or Paul presents this idea, that God is patient with us. Um, He talks about the context of the goodness of God leads to repentance. It's the idea of one of the ways, one of the primary ways God deals with us, he gives us time. Um, Those of you who got saved later in life, you have watched the patience of God in your life And then he gave you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And you said, no, 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 until you said yes. And and, and so when Paul writes to the Roman people, he says, look, you need to understand, one of the primary things about God, he's patient. And, you know, you think about the things that you have done or said to God over the course of your lifetime, and, and how's God responded? With patience and mercy and compassion. And so that's kind of the thing. The big passage, and this is a passage we're going to look at this morning, is in James chapter 5. Now, here's the background. Um, in, in, in James, you have to realize that when Jesus dies on the cross, we have a period of time, uh, and then the church, and the church starts to take off. So we start getting all these little groups of believers all over, everywhere. And so then what happens is we have a series of letters, known as the New Testament to us, that are written to different groups and and, and peoples like that. The first letter in the New Testament that the early church would have ever had in their possession to read or to hear read is the book of James, right? So if you're a new Christian, you're wondering, where do I start out? I don't know anything about this Christian thing or this God thing or whatever. Start in the book of James, okay? It was the first book. The early church had, it is packed full of practical stuff, all right? So with that in mind, we're going to look at what he says as he comes to the end of James, James chapter 5, and here's what he says. <clears throat> Be patient. Now, he's writing to these people, and he goes, okay, now again, Jesus died on the cross. He said he was coming back. He hasn't come back. And what's one of the first things James says? Be patient. Wait. Brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. Now, right off the bat, this is important. James takes and he says, let's talk about being patient. And the first thing that he ties it to is who? Let me say it again. I know, you, I, I know maybe I need to get it colder in here. Um, you know, 
Uh, you know, it's the only church you come to in the summer and wear sweaters. But anyway, uh, until the Lord's coming, right at the bat, James says, look, we're going to talk about patience, and the first thing we're going to tie it to is Christ, is God. If you're going to learn to be patient, it's going to have to be a God thing. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to zero it back to God somehow. And he says, be patient, brothers and sisters, and the Lord's coming. He said, look, they, they were all worried about what's going to happen next, what's going to happen next, what's going to happen next. James writes and he goes, look, be patient. Um, and the Lord's coming. And notice what he says. See how the farmer waits for his land to yield its valuable crop. Patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains. In their culture, there was a couple of rains that they were really dependent on. You know, kind of like right now, we need like that million-dollar rain, you know what I'm talking about, where, where it just hits at the right time and it's just enough to just finish everything off. They had rains that they were very, very important to their crops and their season. And so they would pray for it and they would wait for it. The idea is this. He says, look, look at farming. Look at your garden. Look at nature. It whole, the whole thing revolves around this idea of patience. You don't go out and plant and then go out the next day and harvest. There's time in between that. And right now, if you're like me, you know, we got our first yellow tomato yesterday, or the other day, two days ago. Um, you know, we've been waiting for the yellow tomatoes. We've got the red ones, but now, now we have the yellow ones. And so, uh, you know, you know how it was. You know, I've been waiting for sweet corn to finally, you know, everything was kind of late this year. Now it's sweet corn time. It's awesome. But it, it's that idea of you plant it and you have to wait and then you harvest. That waiting period, you have to be patient. You know, can you imagine a farmer who gets up every single day, walks out to the crop and goes, come on, come on, come on, come on. You go, he'd drive himself nuts. Exactly. Exactly, and that's what we do in life. It's like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Got to have it now, got to have it now, got to have it now. And what he says is, look, he said, the way you too be patient. He said, look, in, in, in nature, you're okay with patience. You understand it's part of the process. Same thing is true with God. Patience is part of the Christian journey. It's part of the Christian walk. It's part of the Christian growth. And he goes on to say this, stand firm. He said, he said look, what you've got to do is you've got to realize that if you're not careful, you will get impatient and you will cause problems for yourself. Um, think of all the people in the Bible who got ahead of God, got themselves in trouble. Ishmael? Remember that? With Abraham? Um, Peter, I mean, Peter almost. You understand the whole crucifixion story could have been changed dramatically had Peter taken off that soldier's head instead of his ear? And Jesus said, no, this ain't the time to fight. Um, let happen what needs to happen, Peter. Over and over again, you see, you see the, the result of people getting ahead of God and not being patient. And those stories are written so we learn from them. Um, a lot of times what happens is we, we're not patient in, in allowing things to develop like they need to develop. Somebody comes along and says something to us, and we get hung up on it, 
and we start listening to them instead of standing firm in how God has made us and who God made us and how God created us, and we allow that person to influence us, and before we know it, we're going down a road that we should have never gone down. Um, I, I love this. Fred Astaire, okay? You know who Fred Astaire is? Kids, Google it. Um, there is an MGM memo about Fred Astaire. Here's what it says. He can't act, he's slightly bald, but he can dance a little. Um, Thomas Edison actually had a teacher that said he's too stupid to accomplish anything. Um, Albert Einstein, he's only good at math. This was one of his teachers. He's only good at math. I would encourage you to withdraw him from school. Henry Ford, bankrupt five times. I'm so thankful those people didn't listen, that they stood for and they kept plowing away, that they had patience to keep sticking with it until they got something right. And, and, and the writer James here to the early church, he's saying, look, there's a lot of things that are going to come against you guys as you try to go forward for God. You need to stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Then notice what he goes on to say. This is great. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. <laughs> Bible scholars don't know. There's a question on this passage, and it goes one of two ways, but both ways make sense to me. One way says, don't grumble about your circumstances to other brothers and sisters in Christ. That's one interpretation. The other interpretation is, don't grumble about your circumstances. Because he talks about this. Because you'll be judged. Can you imagine you're having a discussion with your fellow brother and sister in Christ about what's going on? I can't believe God's doing this. And God's allowing that. And then you take your last breath and you're standing before God. And the last thing you said was... That's the idea. The idea here is, look, you don't know when you're like, you don't know what's ahead. So you need to be very careful about how you're approaching the circumstances and situations that you're in. And he says, look, don't, uh, um, there, there's a lot of tendency here in this whole patience thing to tie it to anger. And, and I think you can go both ways with that. I, I decided this morning not to go that route. But you need to know, if you're a Bible student, this idea of patience and anger is, is, is really kind of linked because anger is just, and again, not anger, I want to say uncontrolled anger. Um, uncontrolled anger is, is basically patience out of control or lack of patience. And so it, it's really tied together. Some would say that's the, that's the root that's trying to come up is anger. And I would say if you find yourself, if you find yourself constantly being angry about stuff, can I challenge you? to start to work on patience, okay? That, that is, that is one, one link together, okay? Um, I think it's more of the idea of, uh, of focus, I think, um, as you look at this. But he says, look, don't grumble. Be careful about complaining about your circumstances to God, to one another, whatever else. Um, and literally, the idea is to groan. Um, then here's what he goes on to say brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering. Now again, when we think of suffering, we think of hardship. When he writes this, we're talking about death. Okay? 
We're talking about people who are going to die horrible, horrible deaths. People who are going to be filleted alive. People who are going to be burned at the stake. People who are going to be thrown into an arena with lions tearing them apart for sport. That's what we're talking about when, we, when, when he's writing about that. He says, brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. He said, look, he said, you need to think about all of the prophets. Again, they didn't have the, the New Testament. All they had was the Old Testament. So he says, look, you, you admire, you, you talk about, you, you put on a pedestal the prophets. But they spoke in the name of the Lord, and as you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. He said, you're forgetting what they went through. You have them on a pedestal today because they hung in there and they had patience and they stuck with God all the way to the end. He goes on to say this. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. He said, you have watched. You, you know the story of Job. You talk about it all the time. And you put Job way up there on a pedestal. Job's on a pedestal because he hung in there, because he had patience, because he stuck with God through all of it. The Lord's full of compassion and mercy. Um, I've tried to go as long as I possibly can, but I'm at a point where I think I'm going to have to finally do it. So here we go this morning. Um, I, I, this illustration resonates, and that's why I use it every two or three years, and so I'm going to write on the wall again this year. So those of you who painted this, thank you. You did an awesome job, but I'm going to put a mark on it. Um, and I think it illustrates it for us, okay? Because I think we forget this. Um, so here's what I want to do. I want to let this little corner right here represent creation, the beginning of time. Got it? Okay. We go about 3,000 years or so, and we have the cross. So there it is. Okay? That's the cross. See that? Okay? Now we go about 2,000 years from the cross, and God allows you to be born. So there you are. The Bible talks about, on an average, three score and ten years. So let's say, just for sake of illustration, so you're going to go 70 years, and that dot represents all your 70 years on this earth. There it is. Okay. And we're going to let the wall from there all the way around here, all the way around there, and all the way around there to represent eternity. It would keep going and going, but you get the point. Okay. So there's the cross. There's you. Job would have been somewhere back in here, in his whole story. And we'll, we'll put a couple more dots for the prophets because they're, they're important too. Here's what James says. James said, again, close to the cross because he's talking to these people in James when he writes this book. He says, look, you guys are talking about these guys back here. And these guys back here are an encouragement for you thousand years later. We are now 2,000 years past it, and we're still talking about them. 
Why? Because God saw the big picture. We see our little dot. And what James is trying to get us to understand is this idea. God has this in play. You're sitting here going through what you're going through, going, God, I don't understand why. I want it now. It's got to be this way. It's got to be this. And God's going, wait a minute. I have such a bigger thing down the line you don't get. And you're looking at it going, how come, God, I want it now, and it's got to be this way, and it's got to be this way. And God's going, look, I'm in charge. Trust me. Because, see, here's what you don't know. And what you're going through you continue to stick with me and you continue to honor me, what's going to happen is it's going to impact this person right here. And they're going to come to know Christ. And then they're going to share it with their family and then their family, and it's going to start branching out. And it's going to keep going and it's going to keep going and it's going to keep going for all of eternity. Seven years. 20 years. 50 years. 90 years, however long you got here. God says, look, I want to take that dot for however long you have, and I want to use it because this is what I have in mind. This is what I'm working towards. Not your, I mean, yes, I want to use you. Yes, you're important to me. But I got something so much bigger that you can't even fathom. So you got to have patience here and trust me. And yes, it will be easy to gripe about it. And the reason you're griping about it is because you don't see the whole thing. All you see is your section of the piece. And I'm not faulting you for it. I do it too. But what I'm saying is we have to keep in mind and be patient that God is at work. And that God has something bigger than just what we're going through in mind. And so one of the things that happens is we have to be very, very careful of taking and looking at our circumstances and our situations and saying, okay, God, you've got to do this this way right now for me because this is what I want. Um, I like this quote. I ran across this quote um, by Ralph Waldo Emerson. I think this is great. Adopt the peace of nature. Her secret is patience. I mean, look at creation. It's not create. Aren't you surrounded? I mean, you know, you know, Josh is doing. Josh is, you know, at Josh's house. You know, there's there, there there's no trees. We leveled it all out. So we're landscaping, and now we got to figure out later. I got to figure out where they're going to put trees. And so you go over there, and everything's just kind of dirt everywhere. We did that 20 years ago. Okay, we left one tree. All right, and then I cut it down a couple years ago because it's starting to rot. So. Um, but then we started planting trees, and we're at a point right now, so my trees have been there about 20 years. And so I'm, I'm now looking at realizing, okay, if they keep growing like they're growing, I've got to move some, so I'm going to have to figure out a way to get a tree spade in there and move some around and that kind of thing. And, I'm like, and I go out now, and I'm like, boy, it's nice to have the trees. It's taking 20 years. And then um, JT and Aaron bought Liz and Earl's places, so I've been over there quite a bit, and I'm going over there, and I'm looking at those trees that are like 50, 60 years old, and I'm thinking, man, I wish I had these at my house. It doesn't work like that. That's 50 plus years of trees. Now, when fall comes, 
I'm going to be happy at my house because I don't have to deal with the leaves that he's going to have to deal with, but that's his problem. You know, that's it. But again, it's, it's nature, nature has a way of over time producing. You know, you go out, you go out in the West Coast and you start seeing some of those, those redwoods and, and some of the incredible trees and things out there. And that's produced over time. And it's the same thing. Look, no offense, but America's got it all messed up. You know, we value youth. I don't want to go back to being 20 again. I don't, I, you know, I, and, and I think it's kind of crazy sometimes that we hang on to youth like we hang on to it. You know, I have earned every gray hair, every scar, every wrinkle. I have earned them, and I'm okay with them. You know, because why? Because they, 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 it represents life. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I have friends who are like, you know, oh, I don't want to be called grandpa. I've earned it. Call me grandpa. Oh, well, you know, I'm too young to be grandpa. I'm not. You know, I love being grandpa. You know, they're like, well, don't you want to be like, you know, you know, Mimi, Papa, you know. No, I don't. I don't. If you do, awesome. You know, my sister, she wants to be Mimi. I'm like, you know, sounds like an M&M. You know, no, I don't want to do that. Um, (laughs) So if you're Mimi, I didn't want to offend you, but you'll get over it because you know me. Um, But... I don't care. If that's what you want to do, that's what she wants to do. Say, so I, when I go there, I say, okay, me, ma, me, me, and, you know, whatever. Um, I'm grandpa, okay? Uh, but it's one of those things where I think we mess this up. And, and what, what the writer here is saying is, look, patience is a good thing. It's a thing that, that God has done for you, and God wants you to learn to be patient. God wants you to learn... And God wants me to learn that, you know what? His timetable doesn't have to be my timetable. His ways don't have to be my ways. It's better for my ways to be his. It's better for me to say, okay, God, I'm not excited about this, but this is what you have for me, so I'm going to hang in there. I'm going to be long-nosed. I'm going to take the approach that I'm going to deal with this on a regular, daily basis to hang in there. It's not about me. It's not about making it easy for me. It's about how you can use that dot to impact all of that. But you know what the problem is? We quit. We give up. We throw in the towel. You go, you know, it's just too hard. I think it's interesting. The principle of sowing and reaping, which is mentioned in the book of Galatians, by the way, it has, it, has a, it has an attachment to it that a lot of people ignore. It says, for in due season you will reap if you faint not, if you don't quit. I can't tell you the number of people that I know that have done really well in life, and then they've come to a point where it was like they were just right at the finish line, and then they stopped. And they walked off the race. It's like, how sad. Finish it out. And finish it out strong. And, and I want to challenge you because some of you, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that I don't, I don't understand the battle. 
I'm not saying that, that, that it's easy. I'm not saying that, um, you know, just, just smile and be happy. What I'm saying is hang on and don't quit. Hang on realizing you may not understand on this side of heaven, you may not understand all of that. The Bible talks about Abraham who died having not received the promises, but then he got them later. And it's important, you may not understand on this side of death, but there's coming a day that it'll be perfectly clear. And you'll start to see all that God did through it. You'll start to see the bigger picture. And like I say, we're sitting here 3,000 plus years later talking about Job and the prophets because they hung in there. I'm a visual learner. So for me, uh, visual auditory. So if you give me a choice between reading about something and watching YouTube, I'm, I'm the YouTube guy. You give me a choice between watching YouTube and having you and me do it together, I'm in for you and me doing it together. That's how I learn. Okay? Um, that's the way that I learn best. So here is, I've had this ever since I was a youth pastor for years. This, and I had it in my office for years, okay? Because this is the one thing that I think sums up everything I'm talking about on patience, and here it is. You look at it for a second, and you'll get it. The frog is like, all right, you might try to eat me, but as long as I can hold on your throat, you ain't swallowing me. It's like, you know what, the last thing I'm going to do, I ain't giving up till the very end. And to me, this is what we're talking about. Don't give up. Those kids that you've been praying for, don't give up. That spouse that, that, you're, that you're button heads with, don't give up. That situation at work that just becomes overwhelming, don't give up. That health thing, don't give up. That, that, that thing, that finance thing that you keep trying to plug away at, plug away at, and you go up and down and up and down, and you think you're going to get over it, and then it goes south again, don't give up. Patience. Hang in there. God's got something much bigger at play. And I want to challenge you, because we're in a culture, we're in a culture where, honestly, it scares me, because I think we have a lot of kids who, when it gets tough, they just give up. You know, as well as I do, life's going to get tough for them. And this idea of hanging in there, and this idea of, 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 of grabbing on and doing the best you can and not quitting, being faithful, sticking it out, is so important. I don't know what's happening in your life right now, but I know this. When you became a Christian, God grafted onto you the ability to not give up to trust him, that in spite of people, in spite of circumstances, you can have patience. It's interesting, Colossians, when Paul writes to the Colossian people, one of the things that he says is, and I struggle with this, be patient with everyone. <laughs> Some of you need to, when you go to work, you need to just put that on your desk. Be patient with everyone. And if you're in service where you're always dealing with the public, be patient with everyone. Because that's what God wants from us. And you know what? When a world looks at us 
and watches us respond with love, joy, peace, and patience, in spite of the way people treat us, in spite of the circumstances that happen in our lives, they come to us and go, I don't know what you have, but I want to know more about it. And all it takes in your entire lifetime is one person that comes to know Christ because of your testimony. All of that's impacted. All of that. Because you didn't give up. That's my challenge. So I end this morning with this. God is a God of patience. He designed most of creation to have a long-term perspective, not a short-term view. God has an eternity in mind, not just your time on this planet. So trust Him that He's doing what is best for you and best for His glory. Don't quit. Stay faithful all the way to the end. Let's pray. Lord, help us. It's easy sometimes, Lord, to just get tired. So, Lord, help us not to get weary in doing that which is right. Lord, send that person along who can encourage, who can help, who can carry some of the burden. Lord, for those who are doing well, things seem to be going well for them right now. And Lord, I pray that you would use them to find that person who needs that encouragement and help. Lord, we could all learn to trust you more and be patient with your timing and your ways and your plan. And Lord, when it is all said and done, and Lord, ultimately... We are with you for all of eternity. May we be able to look back and thank you for using us. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Let's stand together. And we're going